Hey everyone, I'm Haley Bloom-Peterson and this is Our Stories, Our Health. We're here to share your stories, your experiences with our so-called healthcare system, to shed some light on the ways in which it fails us, the ways others profit off of us, to show you that you're not the only one who can't figure this whole thing out. We all have stories and in telling those stories, we become the vehicle for wholesale change. My name is Amira Adawe. I am the executive director of the Beardwell uh, Project. Um, uh, the Beardwell Project is uh, a nonprofit, community-based nonprofit organization that's addressing chemical exposures as it relates to skin lighting uh, products and other exposures, as well as increasing the health literacy of, of, of communities that ha- have experienced um, uh, health disparities. In 2011, Amira Adawe was in graduate school working on her master's in public health with a focus on environmental health. She started researching the chemical effects of skin lightening practices on the human body. At the time, I was only thinking, you know, it's it's issue for, you know, Somalis and other African groups. But then as I was doing the work, I learned it's it's the monk who are also using it, the Latinos. I'm like, okay, this is a huge problem. To lighten their skin, individuals, usually women, rub soaps or creams onto the skin, sometimes multiple times each day. If you are light skin, you are beautiful. And even it depends, you know, it connects to their likelihood of finding husband and, and, and overall societal acceptance. They want to be white. They want to be lighter skin. And this is highly prevalent around the world Um uh, uh, countries that have experienced colonization and, and also uh, slavery, uh, especially Latin America, Asia, and Africa. To this day, a lot of African countries, only if you have fair skin, is you when you get access to uh, resources and economic well-being, but also uh, power. So if you look at the countries in Latin America, uh, uh, especially the Latinx communities that I've been doing my research on talked about how this also associates with their power, political power. Those who are lighter skin get into uh, political office in Latin America. Skin lightening creams combine a variety of chemicals that can be harmful to the user and those around them. One of Amira's biggest concerns is mercury. We're worrying so much about mercury exposure uh, it causes neurological issues and kidney problems. Not only that, um, uh, it, uh, there has been a lot of studies that connected to individuals if they use skin uh, lighting products that have mercury, long duration that they develop uh, diabetic and hypertension, especially with diabetic because you know mercury impacts the endocrine system which, you know, regulates the insulin in our body. And so there's so much health issues that is connected to these chemical, high chemical exposures. As part of her research, Amira tested various skin lightening products for toxins, finding extremely high levels of mercury in some of those products, as high as 250 parts per million. The legal limit is one part per million. We have seen exposure is so high in in these women in their bodies and even their children's uh body and and then also huge in in in-home exposure because the mercury air uh, stays in the home until it gets cleaned and so even if they stop using these products mpca pollution control agency has to go there and clean 
the air of their homes. And so exposure is not even limited to those who are using, but those who are visiting, those, those who live with them. Because of her research, the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency stepped in. But there was still a lack of community education about the harmful effects of skin lightening products, both to the physical and mental health. So Amira started an education campaign. I used to see all of these gaps that communities don't get education that they need, not only the skin lighting, but other health disparities that are not addressed. And I was like, okay, I think this is maybe this is my calling. This is the time that maybe I should focus on coming back to the community work and doing this work. And that's how I established Beauty Well. A couple of weeks ago, Amira spoke with our own Erin Murphy about skin lightening, racial disparities in health, and the Beauty Well Project. Here's their conversation. So Amira, I, uh, you and I have known each other now for a number of years, and I've been a, um, an admirer of yours, but also really uh, impressed by the work you've done uh, creating and building Beauty Well. And, you know, as I have listened to you talk about the fact that there are chemicals, including heavy metals like mercury and products that people are using to lighten their skin, it seems, given our history with mercury, um, in the environment that it is something that would pique the attention immediately of policymakers and policy administrators. Yeah. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about where the barriers have rested in your efforts uh, to try and make change in the public policy arena? Yeah, that's a really great question, Erin. You know, um, it like... Until last year, 2019 session, the legislatures did not even know about this issue. And that is actually, that that was really sad for me to even learn because last legislative session uh, to 2019, I went into every legislature like office, like uh, House or the Senate to really educate them from the very basic what this issue is so they understand. And, and all of the legislatures, except those uh, legislatures of color, they had no knowledge about this issue, but they had knowledge about mercury and how that impacts children and, and, and in general human health. And so the gap has been the public health system agencies not educating the legislatures because the legislature said, even in the hearing, you know, our skin lighting bill um, in 2019, I remember the Senate um, Republicans said, you know, how come MDH never, even the Democrats also said, how come MDH never came and talked to us about this issue we will have funded long time ago to, to address this issue. So I think, you know, the gap has been the agency not taking this issue serious. And that's very common with issues that impact a lot of communities of color. And so, and so that is actually what delayed policy actions on this issue because lack of legislatures getting education and lack of, you know, advocacy going to the legislatures until I created Beautywell and this become my full-time work. Because before I was working in the system, I couldn't go to the legislatures, talk to them about only skin light. I have to talk to them about multiple things, you know, that's impacting all Minnesotans. And so when this became my focus is when I focused on policy advocacy and changing policies around this. 
So, so the gap, uh, uh, policy gap has been system not uh, uh, advocating for this. And similarly with federal, now I'm working with Betty McCollum's office and she has been uh, really helpful in dealing with um, FDA and EPA because FDA also does not regulate these products really well. So, so now she's working on legislation to address uh, these things. And so, as you know, Erin, uh, doing advocacy work, ha it requires a lot of time. And that is where now, you know, my attention and time goes into. And, and I can only imagine uh, the amount of time and, uh, you know, sweat and emotion that goes into moving an agenda like this that is so important and still hidden from view until you have lifted it up. But I also want to um, comment on uh, the example of what you're doing as proof that we can make progress and that one person with a compelling uh, issue um, can actually change public policy and change the minds of people in such a way that uh, you can make a real difference. And I think whenever I see uh, that happening, it's important to uh, call it out because uh, we we face a lot of really challenging issues and it can make us feel paralyzed sometimes, like nothing can really happen. Mm -hmm. And the work that you have been doing, um, and I know how hard it is, um, but the work that you've been doing, I think, is proof that we can make progress. And I've been, uh, um, you know, really, like I said, I admire your work and have been really impressed with all that you've accomplished in just a short amount of time on an issue that people didn't know very much about. It's it's really impressive, Amira. Mm -hmm. And Erin, thank you. And I, I you know, it, it's, it's, it's not only me, it's like people who are around me also who have been supporting me. And I think uh, you're absolutely right, Erin, because... Um, educating people about the issue and raising awareness also helped uh, moving, you know, in a direction that eventually we can see change. And this is an issue that requires multiple approaches, uh, not only the policy, but also how do we undo these like really harmful cultural practices. So it's 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 uh, it's not an easy work, but I am so like humbled and grateful how people have been taken serious, you know, when they hear about the connection, you know, mercury exposure and how that impacts human health. This was an issue that was really taboo, like hash hash, like nobody talks about it. I mean, it's still a stigma, you know, individuals will never disclose to you unless they really know you that they're using skin lighting products. So it was an issue that people don't talk about. And so, like, when I started um, this, talking about this issue, like, you know, dealing with businesses, because these businesses that are making money out of this, like, uh, the businesses were not happy about my approach on, on this issue and, and that, you know, educating the consumers. But, you know, I was so glad that the community leaders came out and said, no, this is, like, impacting our children and our health. And why do we even have to change our skin color. So the community has been very, community leaders has been very uh, uh, supportive. And so, and then 
uh, developing relationship with the community, like uh, not only the Somali community, but other African communities and the uh, Hmong and the Latino. So the Hmong and Latino, I was able to partner with their community leaders. And, and all of the communities, you know, they have been, you know, like accepting these messages in terms of educating. But, but what I also do is that in the case of the Somali community and East African, I do a lot of like um, small sessions where we discuss about, you know, how do we really redefine beauty? Because this is not the beauty standard of like who we are. How do we change this cultural practice? And it becomes a lot of learning process uh, for them and for me too, because they share about, you know, how they feel, you know, what this is doing to them. And that some of them even shared with me that if they don't, if they stop changing their skin color, that their husbands might leave them. So there's so much fear around that. But all of that discussion happened when I developed relationship, trusted relationship with them, because otherwise, they will not even open doors for you to discuss. And then those who don't want to talk about how it's impacting them during sessions, they follow up phone call with me and say, you know, I use, it's damaging me, uh, and what do I do? And that is when I, you know, like advise them to talk to dermatologists if they have skin condition. And most of them, they develop side effects, which they're not even happy with their skin, you know, uh, the damage that happened to their skin. And so they go through a multiple process and multiple emotional. So so it was just, a, it has been also a learning process for me to really grassroots level working with them. And then also thinking about all of this like upstream, like how do we change these things in multiple ways? So the communities, they just wanted that education and that discussion. But I also have to admit there are one, there are some that are very resistant. I had women who told me I have been using this for 15 years, nothing happened to me. Why will I listen to you? You know? So, so, but majority of them, you know, they listen and and then and then some of them they stop and then they go back to it so it's a process it's a journey that they're going through that i'm going through with them by helping them and being supportive to them so that's why i always tell them it's external it's it's bigger than you like we have to change the whole society to think about you know beauty standards and what's this doing to these individuals health so amira how are you when you, you know, you're talking about long-time practices, um, a conversation that is sometimes rooted in stigma uh, and wanting to not only bring people along uh, around the dangers of the use of these products, but also about the conception of their own beauty. Um, so what are the ways in which you are engaging in conversations with the community and how, how is that going? Cause I imagine that's gotta be a large part of the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, so the community engagement, it's multiple ways, you know, um, I engage them through radio show, a weekly radio show to talk about this issue in different angles that in, it impacts this, uh, the community. And then I do educational forum. Uh, where it's open for all people to come. It's a bigger forum. So in that forum, it's 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 generally educating them, doing health education that's connected to this issue. So so it, 
we don't get to the deeper discussion in the in the you know like bigger forms but then i also do like a small group wellness discussions like sometimes we do uh, uh we used to do before covid like um uh, uh branches wellness branches and then also now you know even we moved everything through zoom you know like small discussions like getting you know like talking to each other and then talking about wellness but also let's discuss about beauty how do we discuss about beauty what does like even beauty mean to you so 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 starting sessions like small sessions in a really soft way and 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 helping them understand what they and so like for example one day we might even focus on like bring your beauty product this and that okay let's scan you know using the environmental working group the skin dim app you know that is you know scans like toxic high levels of toxic um uh, uh makeups and and other cosmetics and then to just teach them you know what these ingredients mean because like a lot of times people don't even give attention to ingredients that they're putting on their body so helping them understand and read reading and then during that time is when i have the conversation with them of how do we change these beauty standards because you are obviously not happy it's impacting you it's impacting the whole entire community so how do we change this um and not blaming them you know i in in all of these years that i've been doing this work i don't blame these individuals who are doing this to their bodies because it's bigger than them it's it's a societal thing so so i i have a conversation with them in a sense that i am coming from you know what, what they're feeling and what they know i mean like what what they're experiencing but i'm here to support you you know your journey of stopping these toxic products but also how do we build your your wellness and your self esteem and so sometimes smaller sessions also become support system for them we also established the young women's wellness and leadership initiative and that is like we recruit young girls between the age of 14 and 18 and and the reason that we started doing that is that one of the thing that i have noticed is that okay we have seen like a lot of older people are using this hugely and so how do we how do we intervene early on before they take you know the same path that the, the older generation took which they will because it's even worse for them they were born here or came here very young age and they're dealing with multiple identity crisis because they don't sometimes they don't even know fully who they are you know they feel like they're fully not accepted in the american way they they think that they're fully not accepted in the in the in the african or in the somali way so they're like kind of in the middle and 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 i learned that through like this the you know like the observational research that i have been doing with public schools how these young um girls young east african girls feel about their identity and and that is when we created that program so it's not only you know building their wellness and and talking to them about colorism and what that what that does to their health and using these products but also how do we build their leadership skills how do we help them you know get mentorship through uh, women who are you know like already succeeding uh that can mentor them so they see representation of people who look like them because some of them said that and this is cultural you know 
their mothers tell them, well, you know, you're dark, who's going to marry you? Now you need to start using skin lighting. So like they get that kind of parenting talk that, you know, so so the focusing on them, like building them, and then later on us coming back to the parents and say, well, this is what we're learning from the young people. What can you do to change your parenting? Like, how can we help you? So it's like a comprehensive, you know, like sessions that we do in multiple approaches, both young and older ones. It is, uh, it is the work of a lifetime that you are doing. It and, is uh, the work of a lifetime, Erin. <laughs> you know, we're undoing a culture, cultural practices that have been going on, God knows, like many, many years. <laughs> How are you taking care of yourself and all of that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, <laughs> I try, you know, to take care of myself, you know, to do my, you know, like my exercise, you know, like getting enough sleep, but also, you know, like, uh, uh, like not physically taking care of myself, but spiritually too. Uh, so it's, you know, taking care of self, it's, it's a journey too. So I try sometimes, you know, you forget because you get so busy. And then I have to come back and, and come back to my uh, self-care uh, focus. So, yeah, in, in, in the midst of all of that, I, I try to do uh, uh, my self-care too. You and I um, did a discussion uh, together uh, with Pollen uh, yeah. about a, a month ago, which was wonderful. Yes, that was amazing. And you were there talking about how your work has shifted uh, since uh, we've been experiencing this, this pandemic together. And I'm wondering if you'd like to share a little bit about that with us as well. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, like now, you know, you can't physically do all of the educational sessions, you know, like forums that you have a lot of people come. So, so, so our young women, um, sessions because uh, they're cohorts of six months long we moved that to zoom that have been like very easy right away in march uh, but then the older uh generation sessions took a little bit time for them to get used to um what even these technologies are but also how do we even help them to get into this you know access to internet you know access to equipment all of that and so, like, now, like, we've shifted uh, everything to virtual um, way of, like, talking to people, but also, like, uh, not only them, like, also organizing the community and then uh, doing policy advocacy uh, remotely, too, like, emailing the legislators all the time, and then also working on, like, uh, other assessments that we need to do, whether we need to, you know, like, testing product is continuously and the researches that we do. So one of the projects we had uh, was uh, uh, learning exposure in salons because some of the salons use skin lighting inside the salons, uh, but also exposure on, on them, like other chemicals that they use. And so, 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 so we have done like several salons interview. Luckily, we finished uh, our interviews before COVID happened. But then we wanted to do some of them a follow-up in in-depth follow-up interview. So that kind of get uh, get hold until like now because now they're reopening the salons and so things like that that it wasn't our control. 
that you know we are working with other people and because of you know all of that uh, get uh, interrupted but luckily now you know uh, everything that we have been doing shifted uh, uh, remotely and then also we have been trying ways that we can respond to uh, COVID and support uh, the community organizations that don't have public health uh, background to just support them with uh, public health technical assistance. That's awesome. That's great. As is our tradition, we couldn't let Amira go without asking her what her hopes are for our healthcare system. You know, uh, a total reform. <laughs> I don't even think that we have a system, honestly. We definitely we don't have system that's working. I think, uh, you know, and I'm so grateful, Aaron, you know, Aaron's work that, you know, trying to shift the narrative of this, but also changing the system, you know, healthcare system that's not working. So I think it needs a total uh, health reform uh, from everywhere, like whether it's health insurance related, whether it's, you know, all of these like health, like how... um, you know, healthcare, like uh, healthcare is not even, even if it works for a few groups or that have good health insurance, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Look at now what's happening with COVID. You know, I have a lot of people who call me, you know, every other week that their loved one end up in the hospital because of COVID and that they either don't even call interpreter for them or even if they have interpreted that the, the family is trying to call the doctor or the nurse because, you know, with COVID, you can't go and visit them. Or some of the patients there are on, you know, like a ventilator. And uh, the nurse of the doc- or the doctor will say, don't call us all the time, you know. So people feel like, feel like they get treated differently than the other people. And so I don't think so that we have good healthcare system that's fair, equitable, and, and in general, a system that's working. So I think it requires um, reform and change the healthcare system in a more equitable way, not like just changing for the sake of changing, but like fairness that it works for everybody. So we have some work to do in front of us, yes? Yes, Erin. And I'm here <laughs> to support you in any way that I can. <laughs> I feel the very same way about you. Thank you. Thanks, Amira. We know it's hard to stay up to date on all that's happening around COVID-19, but we're here to make that a little bit easier. Our Stories, Our Health is committed to bringing you timely, science-based information through all of our information channels. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OurHealthMN. That's O-U-R-H-E-A-L-T-H-M-N. Or head to our website for the latest stories and resources, OurStoriesOurHealth.org. We get through this together. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and we'll help to flatten the curve.